Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. responsibilities in them. I cannot help but have a deep reverence for the forefathers of our country who suffered many things in order to establish a place where there would be freedom, where people could pursue life and liberty and happiness. We sit here this morning not because of that which we have done ourselves nearly as much as the ground, as because of the groundwork that was laid for us by our forefathers, who believed in an eternal God, who believed that it was their right and privilege to worship and to seek life as they believed that God had provided it. And we're here as a testimony to that very fact. The preamble to our Constitution I think is very important, and let me read it to you. Refresh your memory. You perhaps have it already in memory. And maybe we're required to do that when you were in school. It says, we the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessing of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution of the United States of America. All of the laws and the Constitution that we have, I believe, have their roots in the biblical principles that Jesus taught and that the apostles preached and that every church and every preacher I trust from that day to this has proclaimed that all our life has its roots in the gospel, in that which God ordained even from the very beginning when he established government, particularly from Noah on, to indicate that there must be some order some form, some discipline, in order to retain life within the parameters that God intended. And so we find in the very first verse of this 13th chapter that government was established and ordained and appointed by God himself. Government sometimes takes the attitude, those who govern us, that they are rules unto themselves, they are almost God unto themselves, but we find that God has established government to be an arm of his discipline in our midst. And that he has not turned over the world to a group of men in any segment 
of our government in this world and allowed them or is allowing them to do as they please. God is still on the throne and God is still in control. We have found that certainly in the lives of government in ancient times. Caesar Augustus thought that he had a brilliant idea when he sent out the decree that all the world should be taxed, not knowing that he was simply being obedient unto God himself. The Roman government and all the Caesars that had established themselves and had conquered the world and established rules and laws to be obeyed thought that they were doing it under their own authority only to discover that God had established it, that it might be the mechanism whereby the gospel would spread from Jerusalem, from the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, onto the uttermost parts of the world, onto the rule and domain of what appeared to be a pagan government. We discover that every government in history that I know about has deteriorated, has become corrupt, has become hopelessly entangled in a, in a mess of affairs that has brought down its domain. Roman government fell. All of the Greek governments have fallen. All of the governments of the world have deteriorated to the point of disappearing from the scene of history. Here we live in the greatest country on earth, we believe, and we would take it as if it would never fall, but we must take note that our government, the country in which we live, will suffer the same consequences of every other one in this world unless we believe in and adhere to and acknowledge the supremacy and the dominion of God our Father and of Jesus Christ his Son. This country, as we have seen in our lifetime, is deteriorating and is going down the tubes like others, and it's only little groups like us in our frailty and weakness that can stand up and proclaim that this world and this country is under the control of God and this government of ours will remain strong as long as we adhere to the principles upon which our Constitution has been established. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, way back in the Old Testament in Daniel's day, finally had to proclaim that it is heaven that rules. And it may very well be that unless our affairs in this country change, we will also be brought to that same demise. And maybe our leaders as well will stand up for us and say, yes, heaven still does rule. This is my Father's world. And it will always remain so. God has established, however weak it might be, the process of government that we might be ruled by it. Look in verse 2. He says, And whosoever therefore resisteth the power, or if you please, the government, resisteth the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Disobedience to civil government is disobedience to God. Disobedience to civil government we know leads to anarchy. We know it leads to chaos. 
We know it leads to civil uprisings. We have seen demonstrations of it in every segment of our world and even in our own country. There is no place, I believe, and I state this only as a personal opinion, there is no place, I believe, in our country for a conscientious objector because of this very verse that men are to be obedient unto the government because it is the arm of God to perform his will in his word. The results of that type of disobedience, he says, is uh, the person will receive damnation unto themselves. Well, leave that as it be. Verse 3, rulers are not for a terror to good works but to the evil. One of the obligations of government is that it must provide for national safety, national security, for the protection of its citizens, as is and has always been, even from God's word, a prime responsibility of our government. And yet we find our land in a state of lawlessness when there is little fear of our government by those who are lawbreakers. As a matter of fact, it seems to me those who are abused by the breaking of the law have more to fear from the law than those who break it. And this is a tragic commentary, I believe, upon our society when men and women and boys and girls cannot live in peace, live without fear, because of the segment of our society that has no concern for the laws that have been established by our Constitution, and thereby ordained of God himself. Lawlessness has become a way of life. It used to simply be the the crimes that we could detect, but now there are what is called the white-collar crimes. Bankers now steal from banks. It's not the Jesse Jameses. Those in places of responsibility have violated their sacred trusts, and we have people who are leaving office in dishonor, in shame, in disgrace, because they have not upheld the very laws and the obligations that they had promised to do when they assumed that responsibility. And there's something wrong in our country when we cannot depend upon and trust our leadership. We have gotten to the place that it's common knowledge that if a person is not corrupt when he goes into state government or federal government, he will be before he leaves. That's our attitude toward it. There's something wrong when that has become the way of life in our country. There are four words in the Greek language that refer to lawlessness. Let me give them to you. Komos, K-O-M-O-S, which means reveling which carries the idea of creating chaos for no obvious reason. The gangs that roam the streets of our cities to wreak terror upon people, the senseless murders, the indiscriminate killings that we read in the newspaper every day, 
that has no rhyme nor reason. There seems to be no motive behind that which is happening. It's a sick society that we have that preys upon the poor and the innocent and the elderly to take from them not only their position but their very life themselves. The defenseless are not defended because our society is sick with sin. And our government's responsibility is to protect us in those cases and it cannot do so. Another word is ekthra, E-C-H-T-H-R-A, which means hatred. Class against class, race against race. In the history of our country, it was the white man and the red man who were at odds. That has changed. Then it was the black man and the white man. That has not yet completely changed. It's man against man, even in our own societies. There are the conflicts amongst neighbors and conflicts uh, with with friends and conflicts in families and conflicts in churches and conflicts where we work and in the school system. We find people at odds with each other who cannot live together because of our lack of love of God and of Jesus Christ and the hatred that has taken that the place of love has eaten to our hearts that we have become lawless with each other. Third word, A-S-O-T-I-A, Asotia. I may not pronounce these right. John probably can sit back there and tell me if they're accurate. It's been too long since I've had Greek. But it means abandoned, abandoned. Or in other words, an absolute disregard for decency. It's not uncommon for a person to completely disregard the basic rights that are in our Constitution and in the preamble I read, give us the right to pursue happiness, liberty, peace, all of those things, the right to worship as we please, complete disregard for what ought to be my my obligations to you and your obligations to me to allow each of us to have that liberty that is established in the gospel itself. Fourthly, A-N-O-M-I-A, anomia, which means in itself lawlessness, that is total lack of disrespect for law and authority. There is no time in my lifetime that I can see or in my study of history that I could believe that there is a time in the history of this country when people have less respect for authority than today. You find it wherever you go. The school system is absolutely eaten up with the lack of respect for authority. The kids will not pay attention to the, to the teachers. The school bus drivers have one terrible time. I know that. I've been on many of those school buses, both as students when I did some of that and as a teacher when I tried to keep order. 
I cannot imagine the future of this country when there can be no discipline or little discipline exerted by those in authority upon those who are subject to the authority. And I see it happening in the homes, and that's the basis of it, I suppose, in that the homes are not exerting its authority upon its children, in the proper manner at least, to teach them to have some respect for mom and dad and for other elders and for the policeman on the corner and for the school teacher in the, in the school and for any other person in authority. This day of respect of yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir has long since gone and it's not uncommon for people to have utter disrespect for anyone to throw rotten eggs if you please at them as an illustration of saying I don't care what you say I'm going to do as I please. Has that not come out of the lack of teaching in the home, and I believe also in the church, when we have not taught some basic principles that is the very basis of our life in these United States? We're going to have to get back to some of these basic principles if we're going to have a country. The crime rate has increased. Organized crime is one of the greatest uh, money makers in this country, probably the greatest business that we have in the United States today is organized crime. Shoplifting is that which is done because of a, a person wants to have a thrill. Most shoplifting is not done by people who need that which they're taking. It's done by somebody who wants the excitement of seeing if he can get away with it. It simply depicts the fact that we don't care what authority is or does or says. We're going to do as we please because we have no respect for those in positions of responsibility. I'm going to say some things that all of you are not going to agree with now. So you just agree with it if you do and disagree if you don't. That's okay. I'm very concerned as I spend a considerable amount of time at the state prison in Moundsville. Not as an inmate, you understand. As a visitor, I get out at the end of the day. I, they lock me in, and I stay in there till I'm ready to leave, and then they unlock the doors, and I'm always wondering if they're really going to unlock the doors, but so far they have, and let me back out. But as I observe the goings-on inside that prison, one of the reasons that we have it, we are told, is to rehabilitate those people for society. And I have yet to see very much rehabilitation taking place. And it seems to me of those that I have talked with and one or two that I know fairly well now in that prison, that when they are let out, their attitude towards society is going to be worse than it was when they went in. This is a concern to me. There is not much rehabilitation going on in our penal systems. 
But there is the attitude that we must bend over backwards to protect the criminal and make sure that he has all of his rights protected, and I support that. But I think we have lost something when we don't equally recognize the rights of society. We have a banished capital punishment, which I do not believe the scripture teaches. This is the point I'm sure some of you are going to jump on with both feet. I recognize the scripture says, thou shalt not kill. But the way I read the scripture, that that was not addressed to government, that was addressed to individuals. I cannot kill as an individual. But government is the authority of God to maintain law and order. He ordained it and established it. And I believe that the scripture does not support the taking away of capital punishment on that basis that the scripture says thou shalt not kill. And I think that capital punishment is a necessary evil for the maintaining of law and order. And we are going down the tubes because there is smaller and smaller amounts of law and order in our country. Well, let me say one other thing for the amount of time. Verse 6 and 7. One of the responsibilities of government identified in verse 6, that is of, of fiscal solvency. I don't know where we're going, but I'm sure all of you sense the same unrest that I sense, not only in our federal government, but in our state government. When there does not seem to be very much concern for solvency, I don't know how long it's going to take for our national government to go bankrupt, but it can happen, and it will happen if we continue on the same road that we're continuing. And every president seems to come along and say, I'm going to reduce the national debt, and I have never yet seen it reduced. It is continually going up. It makes no difference what party is in politics, or, or what politics is in, what party is in, whether the president is Republican or Democrat, we have a problem to face in recognizing some fiscal responsibility in our government that I see is not there. We are now faced with that same problem in our state government that I never thought would exist because our Constitution calls for a balanced budget. Listen, it's not balanced. You know that if you read the newspapers. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.